Hi, this is my new podcast. It's called Meet. And in the next few weeks, we... Meet as in meeting people? Who are you meeting? N no, uh, it's meat like animal meat. Like chicken meat? Yeah. So, should I start it again? Can you hear my accent? The point is, when I say meat, do you think that people will understand meat like meeting people? So, uh, you're saying, is meat pronounced like meat? Yeah, meat's pronounced like meat. Which meat do you mean? Do you mean M-E-E-T or M-E-A-T? M-E-A-T. Can you tell I'm not a native English speaker? Oh, uh, so... How... Meat. Practice that. Meat. 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 Okay. When you hear me talk, can you tell where I'm from, which country, which region? Please tell me just one time the right way to say it. Meat. Meat. Because I can't. My English sounds perfect inside my head. When I talk to people, when I have to make a speech somewhere abroad, in my head, my English always sounds like... Dr. Guy's ambition was to rid the world of cancer. He was convinced that the secret of how to do this lay inside the human cell. But then I record myself and I listen back to the recordings and every time I feel depressed. Because in reality, I sound like this. My mouth is trained to speak another language, Italian. My lower jawbone is used to opening and closing fast and hard to articulate all the consonants that give that special rhythm to words. The space between my palate and the surface of my tongue is tight, so the air that pumps from my lungs is pushed out fast under a little pressure. That's how I can spit out all those vowels at the end of Italian words. There's the English that I hear in my head, and the English that comes out of my mouth. And in between, there's just meat. Muscles, nerves, cartilages, bones, freckles, marrows, moles, scars, wounds, blood. Whatever is going on in our heads, our thoughts, our dreams, our fears, it's flesh that gives a materiality to being alive. You own your own meat. If you own nothing else in the world, you own the fucking meat that's packing your bones. That's what this podcast is all about. The cage of flesh that we call body. That keeps us alive and sometimes keeps us from living in the way we'd like. We are going to tiptoe over people's skins and visit their organs, flow it in their fluids, but most of all, we will spy on the lives they lead because of the bodies they have. We will take a look to other people's bodies in upcoming shows, but as we are going to get naked, it seems only fair to start in this first episode with mine. So, welcome, I'm Jonathan Zenti, and this is Meat.
my butt because it has a double ring right at the bottom curve and also it looks more square than round from the side due to gravity and weight. I made this recording a couple of years ago. I had just finished an interview with one of my closest friends and I left the recorder running as I usually do to catch some of those happy little sounds of family life. We had tea in the living room. I made everyone laugh with a story about my dad introducing himself naked to a girl I was dating. And then my friend asked me to come upstairs to check something on the internet. I left the recorder in the living room, still running. When I listen back, I hear my friend's mother and sister laughing about my naked father's story. Her mother says, Que simpatico, he is so funny. And then she whispers, You should tie it though, because it's too big for the staircase. <laughs> and then they laugh. <laughs> yes, I'm fat, and I know that I'm fat. I know because every day something or someone reminds me I'm fat. Like when I walk around the subway in Rome, always so crowded, so full of people, and the squeezed man next to me looks at me and I know he's thinking, we are all gonna die now. Or when I get on the train and I sit down next to someone and the person snorts, stands up and goes looking for another seat. Or like that evening a date took me to her friend's place for dinner and I heard the host whisper in his wife's ear, Oh my God, we are run out of food for the other guests now. And they laughed. Or that crazy time I booked a room on Airbnb and the host made me do a test to see if I could fit into her fancy shower because she was worried I might break the glass walls. Or that afternoon I was chilling out in a park, laying on a blanket with one of my friends and she asked if she could record me talking about the first time I ate a lot. Okay, you start over. It was my first trip in Sicily. I've landed very late in the evening because the flight was in late. And I remember that I arrived at their home. There was a big bowl full of tomato sauce. And I was thinking like, how am I supposed to eat it? There is any bread or nothing? And I put the fork inside and inside that tomato sauce bowl there was 10 meters sausages okay that's the first time that i've ever eaten in my life and i remember it like every taste in every angle of my tongue sausages in the sauce yeah or when my late grandmother introduced me to some relatives saying this is my nephew the fat one or when the tiny daughter of a friend shouted at me Are you fatty because you eat too many biscuits? Want me to carry on? I can do this for hours. I was already overweight by the time I was about 17 and in 18 years since I never really got why people are always reminding me that I'm fat, always pushing me to lose weight always congratulating me when they think I've lost a couple of pounds, 
Also, I don't really know where the line is that divides normal people from fat people. The turning point when you look at yourself and say, fuck, I'm fat. The World Health Organization suggests you take the BMI test. You can easily do it online. You enter your weight and height and it says, Your BMI is 44.8, indicating your weight is in the obese category for adults of your height. Obese. What a scary word. I'm sure by now you are picturing me as one of those slobs you see on the TV shows, larger than the couch they sit on, always falling over their own feet. The type who needs a car to transport his tummy when he goes shopping for another bag of junk food. But I'm not that kind of obese man, not at all. I'm just fat. I can fasten my seatbelt on an airplane, I can walk, I can stand up, I can sit down, I can touch my nose with my finger. How can I see my weight as a problem when it's never been a problem for me? Once I went for a complete checkup to see how these 18 years of obesity have affected my body. Blood, heart, liver, and nothing. I'm perfect. My heart is strong and my blood is normal. Just a little like in HDL, the good cholesterol that prevents heart attacks. So, if the thing that's wrong isn't inside my body, it must be outside it, in the gap between my skin and other people's eyes, because they are the ones who see me as fat, not me. So, I asked some friends via WhatsApp to help me understand why my size is an issue. Alberto says that being fat becomes a problem when it starts to damage your health. But as I've already said, I'm healthy as a fish, as we say in Italy for fit as a fiddle. Sudi. Sudi anche quando c'è freddo. Ilaria says being fat makes you sweat more than you should. It's funny though, she wakes up at 6 every morning to run, she boxes, she swims, she does crazy gymnastics called circuits and spends a lot of time jumping rope. She probably produces three times the sweat I do. So, sweating, no, that's not a problem for me. You should start worrying about being fat when you cannot sleep on your stomach. I can sleep anywhere, anytime and in any position. I've dozed off at gigs, in theaters, discos, on the beach, on benches, while driving, even in the middle of an earthquake once. And my weights never stopped me. And yes, I always sleep flat out despite my huge belly. Next one. It's a problem when you can see your own dick, I think. Hey dude, what's up down there? I can see you. I can even see your two friends beneath you, so everything is okay, isn't it? You become always hungry, which is too expensive and a waste of time. I'm not always hungry. I don't spend my day gobbling down one happy meal after another. It's more about uh, an extra slice of pizza here, an extra portion of pasta there, large fries instead of regular, not eating enough fruit and vegetables, which are expensive, by the way, like organic food. It's a problem when uh, I don't fit any clothes, starting from jeans, and this makes me feel terribly uncomfortable. That's the first reasonable point. Clothes are a nightmare, particularly trousers, but I've never felt bad about that. I think that fashion industry should feel bad, 
they should make bigger sizes rather than being scared that if a fat guy wears their brand they will lose customers and we've got money we can pay il problema nasce quando le persone che vivono attorno a te ti giudicano negativamente con il giudizio negativo tu stai male stare male fa male quindi diventa un problema another good point martina says that being fat starts to be a problem when other people say it is when they say that you are a problem for them and it's not so easy to feel good about yourself when people are lining up to tell you there's something wrong with the way you look but what's this really all about why hold the hate the mockery the mean jokes when someone makes a comment about my body particularly when it's good advice I have this feeling that there's always the same warning hidden beneath the words that what they really want to do is shout no one is going to fuck you Do you think all those gym junkies on treadmills and stationary bikes are really need for their arteries Being in a good shape has nothing to do with health It's about getting laid and getting laid is about finding someone to get laid with and finding someone to get laid with is about falling in love once in a while and falling in love is about sharing your life with someone else and sharing your life with someone else is about having a family maybe and having a family is about being surrounded by kids and relatives and a community and all of this is about not dying alone That's why we hate fat people. They remind us of the lonely possibility. And that's why we push them to the margins of our social life. We laugh at them. How does this woman take a shit? Can she even locate her asshole? We give them good advice on their bodies when their bodies are nobody's business but their own. Oh, there goes the pool. We don't want to be reminded that if we are unlucky or perhaps unlovable enough, we just might die alone. But that's not how it is for me. I had my first kiss when I was 13 and since then, the longest period I've gone without making out was maybe 4 months. And only then because I needed a break, some time to clean up a mess I'd made. I've had long-term relationships, short-term relationships, overlapped relationships, one-night stands, one-month stands, and I've always dated nice girls. I mean, I never felt that I was settling. They had boyfriends or girlfriends before and after me, and more than once they even left their athletic sporty guy to stay with me, the fat one. I'm the guy that women see and they go And I'm like, I know, but let me just talk to you for a minute. One night I met a friend in a club. She was dating a guy I'd seen a few times before, and I also was with a date, a really hot blonde. My friend and I chatted, introduced our dates to each other, said goodbye, and then I heard that douchebag guy ask my friend, "How come that that fat faggot friend of yours get laid so often?" I don't know how come I get laid so often. For me it's not so often, it's just normal. It's how things have always been. What I do know is that I've always liked my body. I've always loved it. 
and I've always felt confident approaching someone I fancied, because if I like my body, I know that I can help someone else put aside the prejudice and fears and like it along with me. If you want to turn around, or... Do you want me to turn around? <laughs> Before I turn around, um, how is my body and how do you feel it compared to the other bodies you have met in your life? Compared to other bodies? Um, like, what's new with my body? It's a new relationship. I mean, um, I never felt like uh, scared, <laughs> mm -hmm. but I was uh, afraid of uh, your reaction to me touching your body. I, I was curious to touch you. I needed time because I need time in general. I didn't know how you deal with your body. I didn't know if there were parts of you that I, you didn't want me to touch because you didn't like them, I don't know. This was the main thing. I didn't know how you were feeling with your body. But I was uh, neutral. I was... Is it something that came to your mind because you have seen my body or is it something that always comes to your mind even with other people with a normal weight or mm. maybe it's because of your body this is the body i've always wanted that's why i love it i wanted to be fat and so that's what i became My parents made me play tons of sport when I was little. Swimming, soccer, track and field, basketball. And the activity I felt in love with was ballet. I was very good at it, and I was the only boy in my class. All that ballet meant I grew up surrounded by girls. I spent three hours a day with them, three times a week, shared their struggles, anxieties and emotions share the same flat, sexless body common to all kids. Then, when I was about 11, their bodies began to get rounder and softer, and mine didn't. I was assigned to a trainer, a big hunk of a man. He had well-defined and very manly muscles that repulsed me. He made me do different exercises to the girls, sit-ups especially, hundreds of them, and my muscles started to grow my thighs, my pecs, my shoulders became large, like an aircraft carrier, they're still like that today. In the meanwhile, my prostate woke up and started screaming at me. I began to have sexual dream about my female friends, and when I was 13, my best friend at ballet, Francesca, kissed me on the lips before we stepped out on stage at the premiere. It was nice and weird, it was like kissing myself. With all that dressing and undressing together backstage, I began to feel more and more anchored about the girls who surrounded me. I wanted their bodies in a double way. I wanted to watch them and discover them, but I also wanted their softer flesh, not my ever-growing muscles, to cover my bones. Once I was 15, 
I had a boner just before stepping out onto the stage. I don't think anybody noticed, but I felt so ashamed, so wrong, that I pretended to have a knee injury, and the day after I left ballet for good. I filled my newly empty time playing basketball at the playground nearby. One time I even tried to join a team, but I wasn't good enough, and all that homophobic bromance in the locker room, talking about faggots and slapping dicks on teammates' buttocks, made me feel even more sad about the unwanted masculinity that I was transforming my body. And then, when I turned 17, at the end of the 90s, punk rock happened. I started hanging out with the coolest boys and girls in town, riding around in beaten up cars, our tanned elbows poking out the windows. I stopped playing basketball and started downloading albums from Kazaa, practicing the guitar, translating lyrics and going to gigs. I drank beer after beer and I was always starving. I'd eat huge sandwiches and bowls of pasta in the small hours of the morning and then fall into bed. I was surfing my stormy teenage years, fighting with my parents, messing up with my girlfriends, skipping school, and being full of food was the only thing that could slow me down for a bit. And then something unexpected happened. As I started to put on weight, I noticed that my body was getting curvier. My hard sporty muscle turned into soft skin. I finally had teeth to squeeze and hips to lean my hands on. Washing my body in the shower, touching myself in the morning under the sheet, I felt at home that this new exterior finally reflected who I was on the inside. But then the new millennium arrived. The coolest boys and girls in town started wearing slim fit t-shirts, shortening their trousers, riding bikes and hiking. For Christ's sake, I find my balance and the rest of the world cleans itself up, starts listening to the strokes and becomes fit, pretty and addicted to yoga. I try to follow the herd, losing 10 kilos during my first year of university, but I felt I was heading in the wrong direction. I didn't want to lose my curves. Hello. So I just went on being myself. It's ready. I went on eating. 284.05 pound. Yes, that's my weight now. Things got a bit out of hand. My body has been my magic chrysalis for 15 years. I hid myself in it and it gave me the time I needed to become what I wanted to become, protecting me from the pressure of what was happening around me. And I'm grateful to my body for all of this. But now I'm ready. I have the life I've always wanted. My relationship with my parents is nice and peaceful. I'm surrounded by people who love me, who support me and spend time with me for who I am. I finally feel comfortable with I don't care what the fuck I am gender. I have a girlfriend and almost all my friends are female. What I want now is to find a little corner where I can create my own world. With my daft ideas, my bright colors, my grumpy temper and the people I love. I want to run my little life the way I want, the way I like. But I can't do it if I still have this enormous giant life vest around me. 
I can't do it because I'm still the object of disgusted looks, mean comments, shameless laughs, jokes about crushing chairs when I sit down or crushing girls when I have sex, odd advice about diets I should follow, sports I should sign up for, dreams I should give up on. To live the life I want to live now, I need other people to stop looking at me. And if I'm going to have kids, I don't want them to be mocked because their father is a fucking whale. I don't need to lose weight for my health or to find trousers or to get laid more than I do. I need to lose weight because people are chicken shit and humans hurt when they're scared and I don't want to be hurt anymore. Chicago, July 11th, 1 p.m. It's my first time in the US. I'm here for a podcast conference. Since I arrived a few days ago, I've had gorgeous breakfasts with bagels, eggs, bacon. I've tried the original Billy Goat Tavern cheeseburger, the vegetarian cheeseburger at Shake Shack, where the meat is replaced by a mushroom cup filled with cheese and then fried. But then I saw some pictures of the conference. It was the greatest chance of my career and I was the fattest person on stage. That body, especially my tummy, didn't have anything to do with the image of myself I wanted to put across. Hey. What's your specialty? Specialty? Yeah. Uh, I would say... I'm sitting at one of the best taco places in the Bucktown neighborhood. I've decided that today is the day to start my long walk to normality. This will be my last bad meal. After this delicious taco full of pork and avocado and onions, and this cold, refreshing beer, I'll start to eat properly, light and healthy. Goodbye, fatty food. We are done for good. Chicago airport, three hours later. Hi, can I help you, sir? Yeah, hello. That's how long my diets usually last, two hours, two days, sometimes a week maybe. But then there's a neon light that turns on in my head flashing, who cares, and I quit. Rome, July 14th, 10 p.m. I've given up with the idea of losing weight. I've got other things to worry about. I was kicked out of my apartment and I've got 10 days to find a new one and move out. As I try to put my papers in order, I find a diet sheet. My mother is really concerned about my weight, so a couple of years ago, to keep her quiet, I said I'd go with her to a nutritionist. The nutritionist gave me a diet to follow. I didn't do it then, of course, but now it could be a good time to start. Not today. Not this weekend. Next Monday will be the day. Rome, July 18th, 6.45 a.m. Okay, day one of my diet days. I woke up at 6.30 in the morning and I'm starting with a glass of warm water and a lemon squeezed into the glass of water. Yeah. According to my diet, I'm supposed to drink a glass of warm water with lemon as soon as I wake up. 
I don't remember why, but I do it anyway. Oh my god. Lemon as first thing in the morning. And then low-fat milk with whole cereals or some biscuits and a coffee. And then some almonds at 11, some pasta or rice for lunch, some fruits or yogurt in the afternoon and then meat, fish or vegetables for dinner. I need to go to the grocery store to buy food for my diet. First thing, lemons, tomatoes, fruits and almonds, chicken, beans, lentils, low-fat cheese, yogurt, chocolate dark, 72% of cocoa. I walk along the aisles wearing imaginary blinkers, ignoring the bread, chips, pasta, pizza, iced tea, beers. I try not to be bewitched by the devil itself, ice cream. What is this? Coconut dream. It is in offer. 50% discount. No. And coconut dream is in the cart by the time I reach the checkout. Barcelona, July 31st, 9 p.m. I'm in Barcelona for some recordings and I've met up with my friend Diambra. She's lived here for five years now and the first thing she does is to take me out to try the famous Spanish tapas. Can you tell me what we ordered? Okay, so we have pan con tomate, which is bread with tomato, then tortilla de spinacas, which is fried eggs with spinach, then jamón ibérico, which is the typical ham, and then Papas bravas, uh, fried potatoes. It's a very typical Catalan dish. And my diet plans die again. El Fonol, Spain, August the 2nd. 6.30 in the morning. I got a text from my father. A couple of days ago, I told him that I was having a salad, that I went on diet and I was eating salads quite often and um, now I'm in a naturist community in Catalonia, Spain. So yesterday I was doing a recording completely naked. I took a selfie and uh, I sent it to him and he just replied after a couple of hours saying, oh yeah, I see that you're having salads. I'm going for a walk now. Rome, August the 5th, 7 a.m. It's time to get serious about this diet. Doing it like this, I might as well not be doing it at all. I have to learn how to say no, to reject the offers, to force myself to turn away from fun sometimes. Otherwise, I'll have to keep starting over every day and I'll be an endless pain in the ass without any results. I'm going for a 30 minutes walk every morning now. Rome, August the 9th, 11 p.m. I'm at a concert with two friends. They order a beer and I have water. Per me una bottiglietta d'acqua. Non bevi birra? No, non bevo birra. I'm watching this gig completely sober and I realize that I don't even like music that much. Antwerp, Belgium, August the 12th, 1 a.m. I'm here to record some interviews for this podcast with my friend Katarina. Luckily, she normally eats healthily, so I just have to have whatever she has. But I'm starting to feel weak. 
My vision gets blurry sometimes, I get tired very quickly and I'm easily distracted. I'm not focusing on my work and I'm beginning to think this diet is getting in the way of what is important to me. Rome, August 25th, 7am. Walking is not enough. I don't sweat and after 30 minutes I'm just as fresh as I was 30 minutes before. It's time to learn how to run. Timer started. Prepare. A friend has sent me a training schedule. If I stick to it then, in a month's time I should be able to run for 20 minutes without taking a break. 3, 2, 1. Workout. I begin by walking fast for 2 minutes and then running for 45 seconds. Gradually I increase the amount I run and decrease the amount I walk. I feel like I'm trying to bring my muscle back from the dead. It's been 18 years since I last used them. I listen to Katy Perry because if I'm going to have an heart attack, I want to have it during the big crescendo in firework. 3, 2, 1, rest. Rome, September the 2nd, 7 a.m. Sport is so good for my body that running has completely destroyed the skin on my feet. Every day I have to clean the wounds and change the plasters. I can barely walk. Rome, September the 8th, 11pm. I've got no patience for anything. At work I can barely say hello to my colleagues. I can't talk to my parents at the phone for more than two minutes at a time. It hurts. I have this constant pain in the place where the stomach meets the esophagus. It's like having dozens of kids droning in my gastric juice, scraping the walls of my stomach with their nails. Verona, my hometown, September 17th, 7pm. Tomorrow I'm supposed to attend a baptism. Of course, I don't have any trousers. For the last few years I've been a European size 58 or 60. There's a pair of trousers I like, but they are 56. I tried them anyway and... Fucking A, I fit in. Rome, September 28th. I meet a colleague of mine who works on the floor above. We say hello and then she asks me, did you lose some weight? Today I'm wearing a black and yellow squared shirt that I haven't been able to fit into for three years. Rome, October the 7th, 7 a.m. It's three months since that day in Chicago when I decided it was time to start my long march towards normality. Hello. It's ready. 260 pounds. I weigh 118 kilograms now. I've lost 12 kilos or 26 pounds. I take all my clothes off and I look at myself in the mirror. My face has changed. My neck has changed. I'm less swollen. My teeth are less full. I've got these stretch marks that go from my chest to my pubes. I've always liked those marks. They signify all the struggles that I've been through in my life. Every fight, every dark period, every happy celebration that culminated in a satisfying meal. They are changing color now, turning violet, receding a little. I'll always have them. Stretch marks don't go away. 
I'll always have them to remind me how much I love the body I'm leaving behind. So, you have been listening to the first episode of Meet, and it has been produced by me, Jonathan Zenti, with the lovely help of Kathy Fitzgerald, who helped me out editing the story and the script. If you want to make wonderful radio crafts, you should consider to attend her magic school for audio storytellers, Strange and Charmed. A special thanks to all the lovely people who has been involved in the crazy production of the intro and of the first episode. Helen Salzman and Eleanor McDowell, Nitro Caboli, Leda Nano, Alberto Emiletti, Ilaria Dalle Donne, Beatrice Rappo, Giulia Nucci, Valentina Zigliani, Elena Sauro, Martina Copiello e Linda Cragnato. A thanks with a bow goes to the heart team, Caitlin Prest, Mitra Caboli, Phoebe Wang and Sharon Michihi. They hosted this episode on their miniseries Buddies and they helped me to reach their beautiful community of listeners. Thanks. For this episode I also composed and played all the music and the title track as the voice of my talented radio friend Valentina Zigliani. For now, Meet is a self-finance project. I'm going to start with the first season made by six or seven episodes, I'm still working on them. Here everything is handcrafted in poverty with cure and love, so please be patient, go to meetpodcast.com and subscribe the newsletter. You'll be notified as soon as a new episode is ready to be listened, along with other special contents just for you. All the incredible graphic design you will see on the website is handmade by Italian artist Valentina Merzi, who I will never thank enough for the way she dresses my audio stories. You all know how podcasts work. So if you like what you are listening, please subscribe on your favorite app and leave a review. It's very helpful to keep it alive in the future. This episode of Meet has been presented in 2016 as a pilot episode for a contest called Radiotopia's Podcast, created by PRX and made possible with funds from the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation. <laughs>